0: Dad, told me a story.
1: I cringe when I look back on it. It's as though I've been strapped down and forced to endure sick torture at the hands of the keepers of memories with this one. I'm talking about a presentation I gave at the 2016 Utah State University Citizen Scholar Conference. The purpose of my research, I began... Is to persuade the general public, people as a whole, that there is a lack of empathy in our society. Now imagine that my voice had a little less energy than I do now, and that I'm standing there basically looking like I just got struck by lightning. Not a great opening line, not a great way to start my presentation, but let's see where 2016 Zach goes next. I'm gonna read to you the first few lines of this presentation I gave. I'm not gonna play the video, but I'm gonna read it to you. Listen to this. We as a people should learn, understand, and practice empathy more than we do now, so that our everyday communications can become more fulfilling, fuel connection, and resolve the greatest issues facing mankind. This is done by understanding what empathy is, why it's so important, and why there is a lack of it, and how we can cultivate and grow it. Dear goodness, did someone fart? It cannot get more boring than that, can it? I go on. Empathy is defined in the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh my gosh, okay. Now he's literally quoting the dictionary. Somebody please make this guy stop. If you're trying to get an audience to empathize with your point of view, my 2016 empathy presentation is a rich masterclass on how to bore them to tears instead. Not only did the language flow like the forward to a college textbook, but the delivery itself was robotic and awkward. I'm standing there in this video, again, Look if my torso is stuck upward like I've just been struck by lightning. I proceed to click through slides and list facts and figures about the human emotion of empathy like a lifeless android. It's as though Siri herself was asked, Siri, what's empathy? And channeled her answers through me. It's hard to watch. Now, let me dial back the self-criticism a few notches here to explain to you exactly why I cringe so hard when I look back at that presentation. The school's intention following these talks that we gave was to feature one of us in a book they'd give to next year's English students. And I'll be honest, I really wanted to get that spot. I thought it would solidify my position as a world-class presenter and storyteller at the young age of 21. In other words, my ego was involved. And I told myself a story that I needed external validation to confirm my own ambitions. I, of course, did not get picked. And looking back at it nearly six years later, it's easy to see why. I had a similarly disheartening experience in March 2020, almost two years ago now, when I traveled to Michigan to train a client for work. The subject of the training was customer service. I had two four-hour training sessions to deliver, training sessions this business owner paid $5,000 for. I stayed up late in my hotel room the night before, flipping through my slides, making sure I had helpful explanations and visuals to share with the company. I rehearsed the flow of it in my head and tested out the technology numerous times. What could possibly go wrong with that kind of preparation? The answer? Everything. The training was a complete disaster from start to finish. It was so bad that by the last hour of the second session, the session that the owner chose to sit in on, I was out of material. I was completely winging it and hoping to somehow magically enlighten my audience with a host of facts and stats and customer service scripts. Instead of enlightenment, though, I got constant pushback from employees who disagreed with me and thought I was wasting their time. The tension was palpable. It was so, so awkward and uncomfortable when the owner drove me back to the airport. He was obviously upset with the whole experience, but didn't have the heart to tell it to my face. A few weeks later, he called my boss to ask for a full refund on the $5,000 training. His four-word description confirmed my worst fears. He said, it was a disaster. On the bright side, at least this time, I was in tune with reality after my blunders. In 2016, I actually thought I did a good job teaching the audience about empathy. But in 2020, I knew before it was even over that I would botched it. There was no fooling myself this time around. Reciting facts and quoting the dictionary were not helping me or my audiences with my presentations. But despite my pain and desire to engage a crowd better, I had no answers. The traditional public speaking and presentation skills advice failed me. I studied this really popular book called A Pocket's Guide to Public Speaking, A Pocket Guide to Public Speaking. But reading that book felt like watching my 2016 empathy presentation. It was dry, boring, and lifeless. Nothing more than a recitation of facts and advice. How am I supposed to become a better storyteller, better at engaging an audience, if the material I'm studying can't even engage me? Eventually, however, I had an epiphany. It was a slow epiphany. It didn't happen in a flash of brilliant insight, and I can't point to a singular triggering event that gave it to me, but slowly I began to realize that speaking or presenting were the wrong words to describe what I wanted to do. I wanted to engage people. I wanted to inspire them with my words. At the end of delivering a message, I didn't want compliments about my skills or delivery. I wanted to make people say, wow, thank you. Your message was exactly what I needed to hear. The goal of engaging an audience through any medium is not to impress, it is to impact. And the way to impact an audience, the way to cause a change you seek to make, is to become a better storyteller, not a presenter, not a speaker, a storyteller. You see, the best storyteller always wins. In a world that's cluttered with noise, with billions of dollars of ads being spent to steal your attention, the only way for your message, your ideas, and insights to reach and impact the people you seek to serve is to deliver them in the form of a story. When I participated in the Story Skills Workshop by Seth Godin and Bernadette Choua, I longed for a real example of storytelling in action, and boy, did they deliver. In particular, I will never forget a video they shared of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates on stage at a conference. I highly recommend you look this up. It's called Steve Jobs Tells a Better Story Than Bill Gates. I'm actually going to play it for you right now. Listen to this.
0: Uh, I, some people here, but I don't think most people know that there was actually a, some Microsoft software in that Apple II computer. Do you want to talk about what happened there, how that how that occurred? Yeah, they, uh, the there had been the Altair and a few other companies, actually about 24 that had done various machines. But the 77 group included the Pet, uh, TRS-80, Commodore. and the, the yeah. Commodore Pet, uh, TRS-80, and the Apple II. The original Apple II Basic, the integer based.
1: This is Steve, not Steve Jobs. Sorry, this is Bill Gates who's talking, by the way.
0: Big. Uh, we had nothing to do with. But then there was a floating point one uh, where, uh, and I mostly worked with Woz on that. Uh, I made... I mean, well, let, me, I, let me tell this story. <laughs> <So> Woz!
1: <laws, laughs> Woz! Now we're listening to Steve Jobs.
0: My partner, we started out with a guy, named Steve Wozniak, brilliant, brilliant guy. He writes this basic that is like the best basic on the planet. It does stuff that no other basic's ever done. You don't have to run it to find your error messages. It finds them when you type it in and stuff. It's perfect in every way, except for one thing, which is it's it's just fixed point, right? It's not it's not floating point. And so we're getting a lot of input that people want this basic to be floating point. And like we're begging laws, please, please make this floating point. Who's we, how many people are in Apple? Well, me. (laughs) (laughs) We're begging laws to make this floating point. And he, he just never does it, you know, and he wrote it by hand on paper. I mean, you know, he didn't we, he didn't have an assembler or anything to write it with. It was all just written on paper, and he'd type it in. He just never got around to making a Why? floating point. Why? Well, this is one of the mysteries of life. I don't know. <laughs> but he never did. And so, you know, Microsoft had this very popular, really good floating point basic that we ended up going to them and saying, help.
1: All right. Notice how Bill Gates led with facts. He was basically listing a chronology of events and it was so boring it's so hard to listen to when you watch the video you can see Steve Jobs cringing in pain almost at Bill Gates trying to get his point across so finally jobs just says screw it throws his hands up to make it all stop and says let me tell the story and the rest is actually a story he even gives it structure there's there's this context where Steve Wozniak made the best basic on the planet, and then this catalyst that comes into the story where Apple starts getting feedback that people want it to be a floating point basic. And then it gets complicated because Steve Wozniak won't make the floating point everybody wants. It's one of the mysteries of life. So finally, Apple turns to Microsoft, who has a floating point basic, and asks for help. That's the change that occurs in the story. And as a result, Apple releases the Apple II with Microsoft technology in it. That, this is a structure that Bernadette Juwa teaches. It's called the five C's. There's a context, a catalyst, a complication that's caused, change that happens, and a consequence that comes as a result, a transformation at the end of the story. The beautiful thing about a well-told story is that it allows the audience to identify the lesson for themselves. For me in this story, the insight or the lesson is that it's okay, even in your favor, to ask for help, even if you're apple But for you, you might have learned a different lesson. You might have noticed something else. I'm getting ahead of myself though. The lesson for now of this podcast episode is that your goal should not be to merely deliver information or make your audience think you're good at what you do. The goal is to spark change, inspire people, move them and make them wanna say, thank you. Your message was exactly what I needed to hear. And the way to accomplish that goal is to become a storyteller. It will change your life forever, and it's the reason I am recording this podcast. This is The Storytelling Habit. It is about the difference between merely telling stories, merely delivering information, and being a storyteller. It's about how to turn your life experiences and insights into engaging stories that build trust and strengthen your relationships. My hope is that when you listen to this, even though you might hear my kids in the background because... I have three kids. I work from home. I got my little in-home studio here. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. My hope is that even when those things happen, that you'll walk away from listening to these episodes feeling like, I now know how to become a better storyteller. I now know how to engage the people I seek to serve, earn their trust, and build stronger relationships in life. Because all of us, from the top 1% to the bottom tiers of society, need the power of storytelling to create the change we seek to make. Otherwise, we're going to be like 2016 Zach, boring people to tears as he talks about empathy, or 2020 Zach, who loses out on $5,000 because he doesn't know how to engage an audience. We need storytelling. I hope you'll continue to listen to The Storytelling Habit. This has been Episode 1. Welcome to The Storytelling Habit.